0: Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer and aspiring software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Two raised to the power of eight, or 256, has played a significant part in computer science. A byte made up of 8 bits, has 256 different possibilities. From the early days of computing, this number has been significant. This episode, number 256, is a unique and significant milestone for the podcast. As such, we've brought on a couple of friends and members of our podcasting family. Aaron Orstrom and Dave Harned are virtually here with us on uh, Zoom and Zencaster to catch up and talk with us. But before we get started, Will, what have you been fighting this week?
1: Well, I decided that I wouldn't really take Memorial Day weekend and relax because it messes me up. And so I built, built out a website in Gatsby.js. So I got to play a lot with GraphQL, a lot with React. Had a great time. I also completely rebuilt my home network, um, flashed the firmware on the main router and put DDWRT on it scared me a little bit because if you screw up bad enough you basically brick the router and you get to go buy another one and mine is not cheap but i got it all working and i have been playing since then with identity server and swagger because i needed to refamiliarize myself with those for work and then i've been going through camtasia tutorials so it's been busy about uh you Aaron
2: so, probably for the last few weeks, I've been fighting with uh, different updates to my to my personal website, which I rebuilt or not rebuilt, but uh, redesigned about a month or so ago and relaunched using Hugo, which is a, a static site generator that's built on Google it's not. I've recently learned that it's actually not Google's go programming language. it was it has a base in Google's structure and principles, but, it um it was actually built by a couple of guys that worked for Google and and built go while they were working for Google, but it's not officially linked to Google from what I understood of the article that I read but anyway anyway, so I rebuilt my site and then now I've got two or three different features I guess that'm I'm, I'm trying to prioritize and get uh, implemented in the site and it's it's easy to work with in some ways, but then when it comes to some of the customizable features it's it's uh a little sticky and got to go down a rabbit hole of research so kind of just fighting with I'm trying to implement different features on my site what about you dave what have you been fighting with
3: well i was just going to say real quick that will i feel bad that relaxing throws off throws you off because yeah i took memorial day weekend and barely touched any code but then coming back today got smacked in the face with some really bizarre ui behavior so that's what i've been fighting with today essentially broke down to building a web form in React in Chrome, and I had a radio input that, when it was selected, changed the hover behavior of a text area input right below it, even though I looked in the developer tools and it wasn't like overlapping the footprint in the UI, but it was changing the hover to the point where, if I was on the right half of it, I could not select and highlight the text input. Could not figure out. I had other developers jump on and, you know, for a sanity check because I thought I was losing it, but couldn't figure out the root cause. Eventually, I bumped up the Z index of the input by one so that I could select it over top of whatever was in the way. But it was truly bizarre. And I'm still scratching my head over that one. So that was my fight today. What about you, BJ?
0: So uh, I am hardwired in. Windows updated on my laptop. That's really all I need to say. But (laughs) now I can only get to Facebook and Google when I'm on Wi-Fi. What more do you need? Uh, My MacBook. Yeah, well, you know. My MacBook works just fine. And all my devices that are on Wi-Fi, it's only the Windows laptop. At amount of loss at this point. It works well uh, wired in. So I'm just going to stay, you know, like that. I don't really carry it around the house. So you know, it's, it's all right for now until I need to go somewhere and I'll find out. We're preparing to go back to in-person services at church, uh, continuing streaming, you know, for the higher risk members, people who just aren't comfortable coming out to live services. Um, we're doing the whole like sign up and then seated six feet apart and that kind of thing. I spent Memorial day weekend at the church, basically about half the day, Saturday and almost all day Sunday working on wiring up a new camera. We have camera stands, we're testing equipment. Uh, Still trying to figure out why the the SDI won't send out from the camera to the switcher, but it will send HDMI. So I don't know. And then later this week, I'm training the new camera techs on how to work the cameras when we go back to in-person services. Personally, I am sore. I told you guys that before we started recording. We took the dogs hiking yesterday and got rained on. Um, Went out to Henry Horton State Park, and they have like this inner loop and outer loop. And we were on the furthest point of the outer loop when it started raining. So we're like, well, there's no point in rushing back. So we just took our time. We're going to get wet. We enjoyed it. But then uh, about halfway back, I caught a rock that was a little slippier than I expected. And down I went. I will say those years of martial arts training came in handy uh, because it could have been a lot worse. And Amanda said it looked like I was falling in slow motion. So she was like, it was actually kind of cool to watch. She's like, I wasn't worried about you until you finished falling. And I was like, oh, wait, he fell. (laughs) I mean, she should have just admitted
1: she was laughing (laughs) because
0: that's what I would have done. Oh, she
1: was. She was.
0: Now, as the weather has uh, been getting better, I'm spending more time on the bike. Uh, this past weekend, Amanda and I went riding. And while we we're riding down the road, I kind of like stretched my neck to pop it. And so she like was like, oh, your neck's sore. So she started massaging my neck and my shoulders while we we're riding on the bike down the
3: road. Wait, is this a two-person bike or you're on different bikes?
0: We're on, she's on the back of my motorcycle.
3: Oh, you're on, no, you're on yeah. the motorcycle. You're on the motorcycle. I was picturing like a bicycle for two situation. Never mind. I also
2: was picturing that. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> I was too, and I knew better because it was still funny. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. But no, no, we were on the motorcycle. She was on the back of the motorcycle. I've never had a neck massage while riding a motorcycle before. That was pretty awesome. So, way to be a great team player. At least it wasn't a chiropractic adjustment. Yeah, that could have been <laughs> that could have been an issue. Um, but uh, speaking of team players, let's go ahead and get on into book club. So the seventh quality of a team player is disciplined. A quote from a book, uh, where there's a will, there's a win. And we've got a will here, so we win. That was easy. That was my bad joke for the night. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's really nice having a name that's a verb and a noun.
0: Maxwell starts off telling the story of his friend Gordon McDonald, who was on the college track team. And he talks about how one of his teammates would repeat grueling workouts after they'd finished while the rest of the team was like in the showers or resting. Uh, He never won a medal, not an exceptional athlete in college. He just had an attitude that it wasn't the big things in training, but it was the thousands of little things that made you better. And that teammate was Bill Toomey, who was inducted into the Olympic Hall of Fame in 1984, having set world records in 66 and won the gold medal in the decathlon in 1968. Maxwell defines discipline as doing things that you don't want to do so that you can do things that you want to do. He defines three areas where your team members need to develop discipline. The first is in your thinking. Keep your mind active and take on challenges to improve mental discipline. Next, he mentions emotions. You can either be the master of your emotions or let them master you. Finally, are your actions. You have to work towards your goals and do the things that you may not enjoy. Closing out, he gives three ways you can improve your discipline, strengthen your work habits, challenge yourself, and get control of your tongue. And we'll have a link to that book in the show notes.
1: So we have put comments and water bottles on hold for a while uh, for several reasons. Uh, One is the spam on the website. The other is... Really a small thing called COVID, which has kind of messed up our supply chain for getting water bottles uh, here and getting them to you. We've also not been getting a whole lot of unique comments, although we have gotten a few emails here lately. Send stuff in, and as soon as things get back to normal, uh, we'll get on with it. If you'd like a CDP water bottle, you know, leave us a review on iTunes or comment on the website or on any of our social media. We also post all of our episodes to Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And we're on Instagram and Tumblr. Well, we is mostly beach, but actually entirely beach. Yeah, pretty much. But uh, yeah, go there and check it out.
0: If you do want to interact with Will, you can join the conversation anytime via Slack by going to slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. Your advertisement could be here. If you like the show and would like to advertise on here, send us an email to adverts at completedeveloperpodcast.com. We have short-term, long-term, and other sponsorship opportunities. Reach out to us and let us help you reach the people who you are serving.
1: 256 is a composite number. It is 2 raised to the 8th power, uh, which means it's obviously a power of 2. It's also 4 to the 4th and a perfect square, 16 squared. It's also the only three-digit number that is, I don't even know what this word is, zen Zinazinizic.
0: Zinzi um, Zinzi Zinzik.
1: Okay. That's <laughs> That's like recursive Zen or something with a overflow. I'm not sure what that's supposed to be. Uh but it's two squared. And you take that and you square it, and you take that and you square it. Computing a bit is a single on-off switch with two potential outputs. A byte is eight bits with two hundred and fifty-six potential outputs. The number of colors in a GIF are 256. It's also the number of characters in extended ASCII and Latin 1. And until 2007, it was the maximum number of columns in an Excel worksheet. Needless to say, it is a uniquely significant number in computer science.
0: For this unique episode, we've brought some of our friends and crowd favorites back on the show. Dave Harned and Aaron Orstrom have been part of our podcast family for a while. Aaron was one of our first guests on the show. They co-hosted the Junior Developer Toolbox podcast and are both admins on our Slack channel, where you can talk to Will.
2: And we make an (laughs) occasional appearance. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to
0: say, I talk to y'all on
1: there. I don't talk to Binge on there, but there's other people that show up.
3: Yeah, we officially lurk from time to time. I think that's my big role, lurker, chief lurker.
0: Lurking's good. I've seen a few conversations where you've jumped in. So that's that's pretty cool.
2: I'm the one who actually like comes in and will lurk for a little bit, sometimes leave a comment and then jump out for like an extended period of time.
0: I don't know though. Aaron, you made some comments on a couple of different episodes that like changed the way like I didn't realize I was doing some stuff that actually changed the way that I was recording. So Really? Yeah. Yeah, just like oh. the way I was talking and stuff. Like you you said some stuff and you said it a couple oh. of different times over time and I'm like, huh. And so I went back and listened to it. I was like, "You, I didn't even hear that when I was recording it."
2: Well,
0: but it helped. Did it have anything to do with the number of ums? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: No, that was me. You Remember?
3: <laughs> I know. I remember. I've edited hundreds of your ums out of our audio <laughs> over the years, and
2: then eventually just gave up. <laughs> especially when they were in the middle of a sentence.
3: Yeah, I mean, you just you just let a few through. Yeah. It just sounds more natural, yeah. but. I'm, we're all guilty of that, I'm sure.
2: It's just worse when your brain thinks faster than words can come out of your mouth.
3: <laughs> right.
2: Because I use them as like spacers in the middle of a sentence to like collect the rest of my thoughts on the sentence before finishing the sentence, if that makes any sense.
1: Oh, that makes perfect sense. You're very lucky not to have my accent and slow dictation in that case.
0: <laughs> well, you've all listened to the podcast at half speed. You know yeah. what we sound like?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Like everyone sounds drunk. Yes. <laughs> and Anna, I yeah, sound normal. Yeah.
1: yeah, there is that <laughs> you sound like the sober girl at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember listening to that. So listeners, yeah, definitely listen to our podcast
0: at least once at half
1: speed because don't do it while you're driving though cuz we don't want to be responsible for any uh accidents, but it's it's pretty humorous.
0: Yeah, it is. It is quite funny. Um definitely check that out.
2: Dave, you remember that one episode we recorded and I had some wonky settings or whatever and I ended up, we played back the audio and I ended up sounding like a chipmunk because it was, I don't don't remember what setting it was, but it was too fast and and we had to re-record because it sounded like a chipmunk.
3: I remember there was some robotic stuff where maybe the internet, was a little bit shaky and it came through <laughs> sounding auto-tuned, like
2: like like Jabba the Hutt
3: Yeah, isn't yeah. that
2: a name I used on a record? Yeah, I remember
0: that
2: one too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I I had both. There was there was one where I, it was really fast and I sounded like a chipmunk, and then yeah. there was the opposite where I came out sounding like Jabba the
1: Hutt Well, and we had like this one with a, like a weird audio artifact one time where the two of us are talking and then there's a third voice and we're the only two in the room. Oh,
0: that's creepy. Spooky what was it it said it said gotta get the high table gotta grab the high table or something it was like what it was a weird effect because we were both talking at the same time so we had to like re-record it because we were kind of talking over each other but when I went back and was editing I was like somehow our voices like bounced funny in the room and it sounded like someone else was there and like said gotta get the high table
3: yeah you ripped the fabric of space time.
0: Yeah, clearly we did <laughs> with our voices
3: podcasted into a new dimension. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that's anything like you remember a year or two ago, there was this recording and they were asking people to listen to it and people would hear it different ways. And it was Yanny and Yanny versus Long. yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if it was some sort of principle of with your, both of your voices at the same time, were causing that sort of effect. Maybe. I don't know.
0: Probably. Which one
2: did you guys hear? I don't even remember.
3: I'm pretty sure I heard Yanni, but it's been a couple. I think it was a couple years ago,
0: maybe. I heard both. It was like the dress. I saw both. Yeah,
2: yeah, at different times. Depending
0: on if I had been looking at a screen with a black background, I saw one. Versus a screen with a white background, I saw the other. Calibrated.
2: Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I heard Laurel, and I, I don't think I've ever heard Yanni from that recording. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. you have to
3: want it. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: Anywho, you have to want the
2: Yanni. <laughs> <heard my> <laughs>
3: You have to concentrate about live at the Acropolis. Uh, That's exactly what I was thinking. Yanni. 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 (laughs) Yanni. 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 Wow. I I even got that joke. No no Yanni fans.
1: That's, uh, (laughs) I think I actually have that CD somewhere for some reason. I don't think I bought it. It just was, it's there.
3: Well, well, I feel good because when one person gets my joke out of, I don't know how many listeners you're up to, as long as you got it, that, that makes me feel good.
0: Yeah. You feel like buying a lottery ticket, do you? That's Right. So I pulled some stuff from your your LinkedIn pages, but I'm going to have you guys tell us about yourselves. But before that, and before we really get into the episode, I just want to know, how is the number 256 significant to you?
2: So I'll go first because I think I have, uh, I'll, I'll tell you the thing that I immediately thought of when I heard that number. I'm pretty sure that that was about the number of hours I put in into my last playthrough on Skyrim.
0: <laughs> in, comparison,
2: in comparison to the first time I played through back in, I want to say it was 2016. That time was about 300 hours, maybe a little over. So it was a little more efficient this time around. <laughs> it still took months, though.
3: Nice. I've been replaying that, too. I know. That's impressive. I'm, it's a great game. I may have put close to that amount
1: of time into Breath of the Wild. I'm not sure. It's a little slower for me right now because I'm playing it in Russian. That sounds torturous. Oh, what? It's <laughs> <laughs> so, like I have to pause sometimes and go, "Okay, what is that word?"
3: <laughs> but you're you're just bringing it on yourself. Yeah.
1: It is. It's awful. <laughs> Especially when you have to read
0: the books with the cursive.
2: Oh, yeah, that's hard even in English.
0: Yeah. I'm uh, I'm about 12 maybe 13 hours into the uh, Final Fantasy VII remake right now.
2: Nice. Nice. Yeah. I'm going to wait till that price drops. But I'm actually playing Final Fantasy 13 right now. I'm gonna oh, wait nice. till it
3: comes out on Switch, but that's gonna be another year or
0: something, I think.
2: Mm-hmm. I never played the original, yeah. so I have nothing to compare it
0: to. Yeah, and so, so Dave, how is the number two hundred fifty
3: six? Yeah, two fifty six. Uh, well, it just makes me think of the colors and you know the box of the giant box of crayons that uh, I'm the kind of guy who's just red. Orange, yellow, green. But then to fill up the, the 256, they had to come up with pumpkin and chartreuse and turquoise and all the other elements in there. So I don't know.
1: So I got to ask you, Dave, do they uh, taste different? <laughs>
0: no. no.
3: <laughs> Harkening back to when I was four? No. They're all delicious. They're all...
0: You always got to ask. <laughs> they all taste a little a little waxy. But yeah. You are a web developer, after <laughs> <bro>. all. <laughs> Are we all, do you ever use the white crayon?
2: It's only useful on colored construction paper.
3: I remember always avoiding the yellow because it was so light that I never really felt like it was uh, worth anything. I don't think I ever used the white. Yeah, that was, that was always the one that's perfectly sh- sharpened because it was never used. Sharpened. Right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I always used the yellow. Like if I had like the outline of Calvin peeing on the fourth logo, <laughs> you know, for the, the arc there. That was, this was the only time really the yellow was handy. That's what you drew as a kid. That, that explains a lot.
0: Explains something. anyone surprised by that at all? Yeah. Probably
3: not in the entire audience. A few years ago, I was really proud of uh, carving a pumpkin for Halloween, and then I carved a, a Calvin silhouette, and it came out really well.
2: Oh, wow. That's cool. I have never carved a pumpkin.
0: What? Well, That is definitely something you should do this October. I mean, you could do it now, but I don't know where you'll find a pumpkin.
2: Right. Yeah. Not in season.
0: You could get a big squash. You
1: could. <laughs> yeah, I mean you could. I mean, like if you do it right now, nobody cares. <laughs> so like if you do it with a big squash, they'll be like, oh, that's artistic. Right. I mean, put it on your front stoop, nobody coming over anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Nobody's gonna think
0: any less if you like carve it and then put a mask on it. <laughs> that's, that's perfect. I mean, carve the outline of the mask on it. There you go. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well if I if I get around to that before Halloween, I'll send you guys pictures. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Beach is going to do that after this recording. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll we'll send them to us. We'll post them on Instagram. So I have no idea where we are in the outline. This is gone exactly <laughs> as normal. <laughs> <laughs> there is no outline. We just have some questions. So, like I said, we I pulled some information from your LinkedIn, but um, rather than do that, uh, just tell us what you guys have been up to lately. I believe you've both kind of switched jobs since the last time we had you on. Well, I know Dave has because we were working together last time we had him on. So I think I think you both have switched jobs at least once or twice since we last had you on. So just tell us, I mean, you don't have to say where you're working, but you know, what you're doing, front end, back end, you know, what what's up with that?
3: Sure. Well, uh yeah, I do miss being your coworker, Beach, and getting to see you and k- keep up with what you're doing.
0: Well, you wouldn't be seeing me now anyway. That's true.
3: That's true. <laughs> um and I still have to put up with you on Slack, so it's not it's not like I that know, much right? has changed. <laughs> but no, I started a new job last October and it was, uh, it's really worked out. I was able to be really picky. I felt like I was in a good position where I could take my time and find the right fit and turn down a couple of offers that came my way that I scratched my head and went, what, what am I doing? This feels so strange, but it really paid off in the end. I'm landed on a great company that I'm excited about, great team working on some high-visibility projects. Uh, I've switched to React, so I'm still doing a lot of front-end JavaScript development, but I'm also able to dabble in AWS. We're doing a lot of AWS back-end and learning a lot of those skills. I've set my sights on getting a certification with Amazon by the end of the year. It's really a place where I feel like I can grow and I have a supportive team. So I'm really stoked to be there.
0: That's fantastic. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's, that's really good. And it's, it's always like really nice when you can take the time to pick what you want.
3: Yeah, I've never been in that position before. So
1: <laughs> <laughs> I tried to make the most of it and it paid off. That's great.
2: Awesome. Congrats,
0: Dave.
1: Thank you. And congrats on the React stuff too. I mean, just the little bit I've been doing with it, I like it a lot. Like everything being in one file and functional I don't. I don't really like the whole props thing. That's not my jam. But like, yeah. just like the functional component thing, so nice. Well, my team is really pushing me into a functional
3: uh, way of thinking, which is a little bit new, but uh, it's it's been great so far. I'm really trying to embrace it and dive in. So, so no, that's been good. And then since the uh, quarantine and and things of everything happened with COVID it's been an opportunity for me to get back into music. I feel like uh, I was really into playing guitar. And then when I started to self-teach code, that started to take up a lot of nights and weekends because I was doing that while I was working full-time. And so the music stuff started growing cobwebs off in a corner. And I feel like this has given me an opportunity to dust those off. And um, actually, one of my old guitar teachers announced that he was doing a Zoom lessons. So I jumped back into doing that and have been really really getting into the music again and really um feeling inspired uh to pursue that again so that's been a lot of
0: fun yeah i've
2: seen some of your posts on facebook
0: yeah thanks when we uh when this is all over we'll have to get together and uh and jam some yeah i'm excited to hear how
3: how you've been doing with the guitar yeah
0: yeah i mean uh it's funny i had the opposite thing with covid because i got busy with helping the church with their streaming so i am like I have to set aside time like once we're done recording i'm gonna go practice for a bit but my my instructor he went to skype lessons cool and so how
1: well is that working for you guys when you because i mean i'm doing my my russian lessons over skype and that's working reasonably well but i can't imagine like like how are they seeing your technique on the on the guitar for
3: me seeing the technique is not the problem you kind of want to make sure you're positioning right so that they can see where your fingers are. And sometimes, you know, depending on the equipment, your image might be flipped. So it looks like I'm playing left-handed instead of right. But that really hasn't been as much of a problem as one of the the elements is that there is a, I guess, a certain amount of built-in latency with a lot of these video conferences. So we can't really jam. We're not really in sync and able to play together, which is a challenge. But as far as the exchange of ideas, the, Viewing and, and critiquing technique—that's that hasn't been an issue.
0: Yeah, mostly what it's been with me, and you're uh, quite a bit further, you know, more advanced than I am in playing guitar. But a lot of what it's been for me is he will send me. what That reminds me, I need to send him. Uh, Green Day came out with a new song, and I want to learn it, so he'll send me music in the week, and I'll I'll practice it. And anything that I have trouble with, I'll be like, Hey, I you know I couldn't quite get the strumming pattern, or you know what was like what was this or uh, sometimes i'll come in and he'll be like any troubles with it and i'm like no nah, but i want to learn this new song and so he'll walk me through cuz i'm i'm learning to to hear you know by ear and to play by ear better and so he'll walk me through the process and like walk me through all right he'll play the song on youtube through his phone and we'll listen and be like all right let's let's talk this out let's figure out you know, what's the root note here? All right, what are these chords? What's what's your tonic? You know, what's this? And, you know, we'll go through it. And it's really helping me. Like a week or two ago, I was listening to a Skillet song and I'm like, I could play that. So I went home and I just started playing around because it's just power chords and the key of F. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I could totally play that. And I, you know, I just picked it up on my own. And when... Yeah, when I had the, it was a week later I had my thing with him and uh I was like, "Hey, check this out." And I played it for him. Like, you know, it's not great. I'm playing slower than the song is, but he's like, "Yeah, man, that's that sounds really good."
3: Yeah. So, that's awesome. You no,
0: know, I I totally feel you on that though. That's like with me it's been a lot more of either he'll play something and then I'll play it or I'll play something and he'll be like, "Oh no, this is how you do it" and then show me what to do. Right. Like I couldn't imagine starting out like this. Like if I were new, but year or so into it, I can like I know enough now to, you know, where he can kind of guide me.
3: There's definitely a, a piece missing that, you know, is I mean, making music is about making music with other people and I definitely miss that aspect and I miss jamming mm-hmm. and and going to see live bands and stuff and i'm chopping mm-hmm. a bit for that to happen again but yeah trying to make the most of the situation and and you can definitely get a lot of exchange of ideas doing a lot of learning so it's been great
0: yeah i, I feel you on the live bands man i i miss just going and seeing my friends play yeah you know yeah, just sure. the the cover bands that i know just going and just hanging out and listening to them so yeah so aaron how about you what have you been doing? I guess let's go back to the original question for work. <laughs> we kind of <laughs> got off on a side note there.
2: That's okay. Um, so yeah, right around the time we started, or actually we went on Complete Developer Podcast to launch Junior Developer Toolbox. So that was like September of 2017. The month after that, my contract had ended with my current job. So at that point I was out of work for about two months before I started with my, my current, the company that I'm still at. So that was about two and a half years ago. So I've been there since January of 2018, uh, and through through the course of that time, uh, my position has. So I've stayed on the same team technically, but my position has shifted. So I started as a part software developer, part business analyst, and eventually shifted into more product owner slash business analyst and like minimal software developer. Responsibilities, even though my my title went from associate software developer to software engineer, I think April 2019. Um, but my job functions de- definitely shifted away from doing anything in like software development. So I still I still look at code, and I, I kind of live in the database every day, looking at data um, and trying to tell the story of like the issues that users are are submitting for our team to to investigate. But definitely doing more of like the product owner, like business analyst uh kind of responsibilities. And there's been some talk about up- updating my title again and, and some some other changes going on. Uh just hasn't hasn't happened yet to more closely align with uh with the work the work I've actually been doing. Because it's confusing it's very confusing to people because they're like, Oh, you're a software engineer, and I'm like, Well, yes, but I also do all these other things. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, correct me if I'm wrong. Is uh, I I remember, and I could be misremembering because it's it's been years. But isn't that the what you're actually doing? Sort of what you want to do?
2: I mean, through the course of doing these different responsibilities, like kind of learning more about what a product owner does and what their responsibilities are, and how a business analyst is kind of a hybrid between like like understand you can understand software development and have that background. You don't always have to, but. The business analyst position and the product owner position, I think, are, are more closely related than business analyst and software developer um, because they, they both work together in, like, gathering requirements and working with stakeholders and, and users to understand, like, what the problems that you're trying to solve are. And then the software developers are, like, the technical piece so that they can come in and build the solution. And now different companies, like, do it you know, a little differently um, or, I guess, involve their software developers at different degrees in that process because um, sometimes you want to have someone who's who's technical and understands how the thing how the pieces connect together and like what's more feasible uh then you know one solution is more feasible or it takes less time or is cleaner and more elegant or whatever uh, better for the in- infrastructure than another solution so you can involve software developers in that process but uh, what i found is is software developers it's like what's the problem we're trying to solve and then help craft a solution from there. Cause oftentimes what happens in, in my role is that users will submit, Hey, we, we need to be able to do X, Y, Z in the application. And they'll basically suggest a solution, which is not necessarily fe- the most feasible all the time. So products is the are the ones that work with them and really understand what the problem is to then work with engineering for on a solution. So so, sorry, to go back to your original question, um, as I've grown and learned more about those different types of roles, I think that I have found that I I enjoy having a foot in both worlds, like having a foot in the technical and having a foot in the product world. But I'm starting to shift career interests or starting to shift more toward that product side.
1: Yeah, I think you and I had a conversation six or eight months ago, uh, kind of along those lines, like the interesting problems are not in the code. You know, like the the really difficult things that you can really make a dent in the world with are, you know, you're not typing those. Right. Like it's figuring out the pieces and how they fit together.
2: Right. Because to really understand the problem, like you have to understand the the user and like how they're using your application, because uh, I was actually just talking about an issue uh, with our app support team today. Uh, They're they're using this button uh, or they're trying to use this button in a way that it wasn't designed to work. So it's like they're trying to use it to solve a problem that isn't currently solvable in the application. So ultimately, this will this will need to go to product to try and reason out a solution. Because then it, it, you start getting into all this: if you change this thing, or if you make them do it this way, then they have to change this field, and this affects you know three other processes. So it, it's people who have to know the product owners are the people who have to know like what the current workflow is and and just all the pieces that connect. And just know how everything's affected to come up with the best possible solution.
0: Yeah. I mean, I have worked with business analysts and product owners who, on one side, I've worked with the ones who had no idea how computers even worked, like how software design worked. And they're like, you know, oh, it's just a simple button and not realizing all the stuff behind it.
2: Just a simple kind of leaves your vocabulary once you get yeah. into engineering and products. It's like, no, nothing is as simple as you think it is.
1: <laughs> Actually, uh, the phrase I used this morning in a meeting was just is a four-letter word. <laughs>
2: yeah. 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 I've tried to drop it from a vocabulary. It's like, yeah, it's not just anything.
0: <laughs> no, I was I was just agreeing with you. Yeah. On the other side, I've worked with... well. Dave and I both worked with a BA and a product owner on that team who may not have had the background in tech, like in software development, but they they knew enough about tech to where it made, when having just even a base knowledge made the team function so much better. So I could I could only imagine, I've never worked with anyone in that business role who actually had a background in software development. I could only imagine like, how much better you having that background makes the team you're on.
2: Yeah. And that's, and that's kind of what I've heard talking to different people because, you know, they're like, Hey, what do you do? And it's like, well, okay, that that's a kind of a complicated question just because of like my title, not lining up with my role. And and so I have to, mm-hmm. you know, kind of give an elevator pitch on, you know, what it is that I do. But, that's a lot of feedback that I've gotten, or frequent feedback that I've gotten. In that having the software development background and continuing to keep up those skills on the side with you know side projects and tutorials and and that kind of thing uh, is is only going to be helpful. Like if I do end up moving into a, a product owner or similar position, because it really makes me a, a more effective liaison between talking with user end users and business folks to understand you know what problems they're having, what their pain points are, and then translating that to the development team into like the technical details that they need and vice versa. So if they have a technical question, I can talk with business folks and, and users and ask it in a way that's not technical that still gets us the information that we need.
3: It really is a crucial role that I don't think you appreciate until you've worked with somebody who can speak both languages and really understand both sides of it. I think it gets downplayed when you think of like, office space and there was the guy in the review he said what what do you do you deliver the specifications to the developers why can't you they just be you know delivered by the talk
2: directly talk directly <laughs> and
3: cut you out of it entirely and i think that was you know all this is funny joke but that's a really valuable skill that i think you don't appreciate until you work with somebody who really does it well
2: Right, and especially when you get to the the stereotypes of developers that you know with the soft skills or lack thereof, and you know we're working alone in a in a dark room kind of thing, it's like you know not not all software developers are able to trim down their technical language in order to talk in layman's terms to to business folks and end users.
0: Yeah, and sometimes one thing I've noticed with people, especially some of the developers I've worked with, is they're It's not so much that they, the technical language, it's the precision in the language. They're not able to go, all right, I don't have to be this precise. Literally, before this, we started recording, I was sending out an email and I cut two or three lines out of it because I'm like, that is, they don't need to know that level of detail on this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you have to include that
1: level of detail to be right for other developers, but other people just don't. Care and it's it's really uh you know the the challenge is figuring out what your audience actually is and what level they they need to be dealt with at because like if you deal with uh a former developer who has turned into a business person, it's very different than somebody that's just scared of computers altogether and yeah and so i've had some I've had some very interesting uh situations like that um you know in in my job you know over the years where I've said something like, you know, here's the HTTP verbs we're using, and the person I was talking to was technical enough to understand what that was, but they didn't understand that those still apply in HTTPS, and so we had a PCI meeting as a result of that because I used the wrong phrase. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's like it's it, it's a very difficult role I think to handle well, and it's you know it, it's something that like you're either not noticed or you're handling it poorly. So it's really like tech anyway.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
3: No, but I do resonate with that, Will, because I feel like there's been some occasions where I've held back, particularly like on a Zoom conference, because there's been some initiative, business initiative that's being discussed and and some changes happening. And then they typically will say, well, we're going to pause here. Does anybody have any questions? And I can think of a number of technical questions about how this is going to impact my role and my you know what I'm doing on this but this isn't that meeting and that isn't necessarily mm-hmm. the best time to bring some of those things up and I've caught myself trying to have to okay wait a minute is maybe this isn't the right time and try to to make sure that that what I'm want to share or want to ask is appropriate for the the context and like you said the audience
1: yeah and it's it's weird too as you do more of that it'll leak back the other way too. So you'll be talking to the development team and saying something about, you know, conversion ratios or, you know, you'll like throw business speak in there and they're like, what are you, what are you on? You know? <laughs> like,
2: oh my gosh. I've had that a lot recently where I like, cause I struggle with the detail level as well. Cause it's like, you know, I feel like, I always feel like, person I'm talking to should have the most amount of detail so they can make a, you know, a good decision, you know, because that is like, I need, I need the detail to be able to, to understand what's going on or to make a decision. Not, not everybody's like that though. Cause there was a last week or a week before I was presenting uh, an issue to the art, my development team. And I included in the JIRA card, I'm like, here was the original complaint of, by the users. They weren't able to do this X, Y, Z thing, but further investigation, uh, here's the root of the problem. And here's the question we need to answer. And they're like, so how did the users not being able to do the XYZ thing come into this? I don't like they just weren't understanding how it was connecting. And I was just like, I feel like the background information like needed to be there because that's how the issue came up in the first place. But the fact that they weren't able to do that was caused by this you know, this root cause that we need to figure out what happened. And it's like, that is what I was trying to point out that we needed to investigate, but they were getting really confused on how how the first part played in. And I was like, guys, like, why is it that hard? <laughs> I don't understand.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you have two communities that essentially don't speak the same language, and you're having to act as a translator between yeah. them. Yeah. And they think they speak the same language. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Because they both think they're talking in English, and that what... The other person hears is a mishmash of words that are all English words, and they put them together and they make something that isn't English out of them.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: and that's what we we all sound to the you know we sound like that to the other side. Well, there's there even a certain amount of comprehension, but it's like that's
3: not. It sounded like Aaron in in your meeting that they were focusing on the wrong details. Like, yes, that's a problem, but that's that's yeah. 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 Problem for somebody else, and I'm asking you to focus on this. And I think sometimes it is easy for people to latch onto something because it makes sense. Or right? okay, user behavior, that's interesting, and want to solve that problem. When it's like, wait, your your specialty, the reason I'm coming to you is for this problem, and sometimes that can be a delicate uh, communication to thread. Oh, I was just
2: saying. I try to. I try to. S- to structure the Jira cards that I create with these the issue details, I try to structure it where like there's a problem statement. Like here's what we really need to to look into. Like here's the question we need to answer, and then I have like a different section that's just like background research or like here's just all the stuff I looked into. Here's you know just whatever information might be relevant, but not for them to focus on. So I try to I try to structure it that way. So it's like here's the root issue. Here's what we need to look into. Here's the issue that needs to be fixed. And here's some background information if you find it relevant.
0: That's really good. I have actually, I was going to say, I'm not going to name names because Dave knows some of the people. But um, I've actually heard... I want the gossip, come on. A manager say to a lead developer, you know way more about this system than I will ever know because the lead developer had just gone like, Mm -hmm. he asked a simple question and she just went on this like deep dive into the arcane systems that were built 20 years ago. And so he's like, well, you know way more about the system than I will ever know or ever care to know. And I respect that. And I'm glad we have you on my team. I just need to know, can we connect to it this way? And that like, it was this very simple question and she's like, like these really one off and like, well, this and this, and like, it was built like this. And it's like, oh, that's really fascinating, but we're on a time crunch. I got to like, get these guys out of this meeting.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's like, I need to know what time it is, not how latitude works and how that's relevant for, you know, sailors in the <laughs> <laughs> industrial revolution. <laughs> yeah. or Longitude. I guess it would be longitude. Not yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: But Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, You know, I think that's something, too, that you you almost deal with a lot of personality types in tech that they'll kind of, they'll throw all the technical stuff out there because they don't really have the answer to your question. And they're hoping that if they throw enough crap at you, something will answer the question that they asked, you know, they got asked and didn't understand. I don't know if you've dealt with that, Aaron, when you know, when you're acting as liaison between these groups, but that's, that's something I've run into a lot.
2: I'm trying to piece together what you just said.
1: (laughs) Like, okay. So like you go, you know, you have a question from a business person that doesn't understand the tech and you go ask a technical person and then they just start throwing a lot of details out that have nothing to do really with the issue, but they're just, throwing information at you, hoping that you'll come up with the answer and they won't have to answer the question because they don't really understand it?
2: I think maybe, uh, yeah, I run into that a little bit. There's also just some of the developers that I will ask them what I think is a simple question. And they end up going down into the weeds, like deep technical weeds. And it's like, I, I understand what you're saying. And this is great. But that's not just the simple answer I need to my question. And like, maybe it's not really again maybe it's not simple as simple as i think it should be but they really do get into the technical weeds and it's like i understand what you're saying like this is great information however not what i'm looking for
1: so do you think that you know part of the role of like a product owner type person is really it's almost personality management of people that are drastically different i mean it that that's one of the main things that i ran into is it was like it's like, OK, translating business requirements to tech, not, mm-hmm. you know, it can be nasty at times, but it's not the worst thing in the world. Sure. Translating the tech to where the business people understand it can be a little mm-hmm. worse, but it's still not the worst thing in the world. But making those people able to communicate with each other in, in a way that is actually helpful to getting a project moved forward is extremely difficult.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: A, a lot of times, especially if, you know, because like you got the... uh the really introverted and you're know, really technical and not exactly socially adept uh, software developers. And then you've got the loud guy that's used to being in a bullpen making sales calls. And you put those two people in the same room. It's a real interesting dance to try to get the maximum value out of that situation.
2: So actually, in I knew of this product, I want to say three years ago, because they were actually a company I kind of had an introductory interview with uh, right out of National Software School. But I rediscovered their product in the last few months. And the the, co, the co-founder the co or the founders um, have actually written a book. And I'll have to look up what the exact title is. But I think it's called Predicting Personality Using AI. And the platform and the, the product is called Crystal. And it basically is a AI platform that helps you get insight into different people's personalities and like how best to communicate with them you know and, and specifically like what kind what level of detail they like like do they really like getting get into the weeds or or do they have like a high level they would just, they just want like a high level summary and it's based on different personality personality tests but like more structured than that like the the Enneagram, yeah Enneagram and the disk profile and based on on those. So it's actually really interesting. Um, and I actually, on on my website, I have my Microsoft my profile and like a like a PDF form. And I found out I'm a driver, which is pretty spot on. <laughs> I,
1: I had to take one for work and it came up with me being a flexor. And so basically the idea is, is that I shift between perspectives during a meeting. Interesting. And so they're like, yeah, it's really strong for bringing the team together. But after 45 minutes, you're done. Mm-hmm. So they're saying you're shifty. I, I can see
0: that.
1: <laughs> no, not they are. Everybody <laughs> says that.
0: <laughs> so I was talking with a friend of mine this past Friday, and he's an engineer over at Verizon. Uh, he was telling me he had to take the disc, and he was like, when he took it, it's like they were like really surprised because he scored very high in the D and the C, which are like two opposites, because D is very, I think D is like decisive, mm-hmm. and C is... uh." computational. So he's like, yeah, he's like, I can make quick decisions with little information if I have to, but I also really like to have lots of different information and stuff. And I was like, oh man, you'd make a great tech manager like that because that's what that's needed. And yeah, He looked at me, he's like, I am never going to do management again. I am like, personnel, wasn't it? He's like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> I I know that feeling said the same thing before. (laughs) So,
1: you know, speaking of like personality stuff, you know, how's this whole uh, remote work quarantine, you know, house arrest thing going for y'all? I guess you could tell my perspective on it. I'm going crazy and I'm I'm introverted. I can't stand it still. It's really uh, it's getting on my last nerve personally. So I was curious how you guys are doing with it.
3: Okay, I, I think I'm managing pretty well. You know, I, I definitely feel like I am very fortunate to have a stable job right now. Uh, I think that that is something that I try to take stock of and have appreciation for. That I was already, you know, for de- a lot of developers, it's easy to work remote. Some of us already were working remote. That wasn't a huge transition. Sure, I'm an I'm an extrovert, and I miss the social connection. So a lot's changed there in terms of I feel, you know, hungry for that kind of connection and I definitely miss going out and seeing friends. Uh try to make up for it as much as possible where where I can. You know, my family does a weekly Zoom night where we play jackbox games and and things like that. So that's that's you know, that's helped. But it's definitely been an adjustment, but I think that um that I've been fortunate and I think that I'm, you know, making the best of the situation. Uh, it 's enabled me to focus on some more introverted hobbies that I enjoy that i didn 't make as much time for before uh, it 's helped me you know really bond with my girlfriend as we 've been working on house projects and things like that together and the The work has probably been what 's changed the least. I do miss seeing my coworkers face to face but I was already kind of used to that, you know, from, from previous job with BJ where we were four days a week when I started this new job, it was, it was typically two days a week, but there wasn't a huge adjustment to go, to go full time when the, when the decision came down. So yeah, I, it's been an adjustment for sure, but I think I'm, I try to remember that I'm very fortunate compared to a lot of folks out there.
2: Yeah. I'll, I'll echo what Dave said. And I, I also feel fortunate to still have a steady job and a steady income uh, during this time, and it also wasn't a hard shift to go remote because we we were already uh, working remotely one day a week, and uh, yeah, just we are. I don't think there's been any impact to our business and, and the way that we we run. Um, so it it seems to you know be working, and there are folks who you know really like going into the office and having that coworker person to person interaction. I'm just fine. Working remotely, um, I gotta say, I do not miss the commute at all. De- <laughs> yeah, not, not dealing with traffic has been really nice. Yeah, um, <laughs> so <laughs> that's been that's been nice.
1: I mean, I was hundred percent remote, you know, before this happened. But like, the thing that's gotten me is how many processes got broken by everybody shifting remote. You know, because it takes longer to get a hold of people, and you know, like stuff just doesn't like PRs don't get approved sometimes for an hour or two and yeah, you know, it's like I just made two lines of code changes like why is this taking so long and, and so it's yeah. stuff like that that's that's getting under my skin that and not being able to just go sit at a Mexican restaurant at lunch on the patio and eat you know salsa and chips like that you know that was kind of my break I think before it's like hey I'm tired of being in the house I can go do that and I can't
0: now you can be introverted in public yeah right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I could have margaritas that somebody else made instead of me.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's completely fair. Right. Well um, you can
3: have a change of scenery, you know, just sometimes that much is is enough to clear your head and yeah. help you, you know, unwind and focus a little
0: bit. I actually have been busier during this this thing because I've been on the thanks to uh our streaming back in the day when we used to do the live stream once a week. I got asked to be on the stream team at church. At least that's what we're calling ourselves.
3: You volunteered that name, didn't you? That was, that's, yeah. that's got BJ written all over yeah, it. So
0: actually, that name was my idea. You are correct.
3: <laughs>
1: can see your fingerprints on that one. Yeah. But I mean, there's, there's Just don't cross the streams.
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. It's a, uh, it's, it's No, fun.
2: There's a day level pun. <laughs>
0: there, that is, that is good. That's a throwback reference. As a throwback. That is true. But we've, uh, We've been at the church. I mean, once we got things down, it was three days a week streaming. But when this first happened, I think there were about two or three weeks. I was there almost every night for a few hours working on like getting stuff set up, You know, making sure so we had to get a new computer. But well, that was really cool, getting to spend someone else's money buying a new computer.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's fun, isn't it? It's real fun yeah, when it gets it, to be
0: a rack mount set up full of servers. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, we're the thing is we're buying a lot of equipment for the streaming. So we bought new new cameras, new tripods. I got to like investigate and suggest uh, to a radio system for the church, and they they went with my suggestion, which is really awesome. But it's just it's been really cool, and I've been there. Like I, I've been sort of socializing. I'm the camera tech on the stream team and the web tech, but uh, you know I haven't. There's been a group of people that I've gotten to be around. So it's not been complete isolation. And then, you know, my girlfriend's been coming over a lot. Her work schedule changed really drastically because, you know, she was a teacher and worked in the service industry. So like
3: both of those
0: coffee shops
3: changed pretty drastically.
0: Yeah. She stopped working at the coffee shop for a while. And then she was the only bartender at the brewery when they went to just take out orders. They laid off everybody else, but that was her primary source of income during the summer. So like, that's what she she did. And then the teaching, she was teaching one day a week at a homeschool. So that went online, but that freed up a lot of her time. And I had built my schedule around her working almost every evening. So she's like, you're so busy. I'm like, I don't have to do a bunch of this stuff because it's just stuff that I started doing because you were busy. Yeah.
1: (laughs) how is your workload? I mean, I know beach, you know, his workload went up and mine has gone up. Mine was not necessarily because of COVID, but yeah. because of the book launch hit at a weird time. And it's very mm-hmm. topical for what's going on. Sure. Um, but like, yeah, it nailed Um, But how is your workload going? I mean, Dave, Aaron, what are you having about the same amount of work? Or are you mm-hmm. dealing with more? I would say that the, Change of pace
3: was more drastic between companies. When I changed my, I'm working on a larger team. We're doing a lot more velocity, I feel like. And they have definitely been very accommodating in me getting up to speed and understanding about that. Um, Same but here. we, our business has not slowed down at all. So I feel like that not, maybe not necessarily due to COVID or quarantine. Although there are certain, certainly a lot of projects, getting a lot of our in-house employees set up for work from home was a massive undertaking that wasn't really my team uh, specifically, but that was a massive undertaking that happened. But in terms of my workload, there hasn't there was more of a change from coming to this company than there was uh, from the from the COVID reaction. So it's been busier in general, but not a huge change over the past six or eight months or whatever it's been. That's good luck.
1: I uh, <laughs> I was the only developer in our group that was interested in load testing, and we handle uh, online giving donations for Catholic churches. Oh. So, yeah, I mean, I got nailed by that, nailed by the book. <laughs> All at once. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I actually took a day off to take a day off. that's how bad it got.
3: (laughs) You know, it's funny that I think that it's been kind of unpredictable the different areas that have been impacted.
1: Yeah. The uncertainty is the worst because you can't, you can't plan for anything because you just, you don't think about, Oh, well, what happens if, you know, all of a sudden everybody's online, you know, all of our clients are online or their clients are online and, They've changed their workflow and it shifts and it's like, oh yeah, this, you know, this Lambda that listens to AW you know, the to SQS, all of a sudden, you know, it was getting, you know, five or 10 requests an hour and now it got 300 at once. And what do you do with that? You know, cause like you didn't even know it happened until stuff blew up.
2: So I might be the odd person out because I feel like, I feel like our workload has actually decreased, but I don't want to say that it's. Due entirely to the you know to the COVID pandemic and and you know remote work at home and all that, our organization is going through some changes where we're moving toward what they're calling a um, domain alignment model, and it's basically you build it, uh, you break it, you fix it. Because up until this point, uh, my team has been like the tier three support team, in which if the users uh, submit issues, then my team is is essentially if it's not linked immediately to a specific release, then my team is responsible for fixing it, which even when I joined the company, like didn't make any sense to me. It's like, wait, what, you're telling the developers that they're not responsible for their own work. So that didn't make sense. Anyway, so now we're moving toward this domain alignment model where it's like, yeah, you build it, you're responsible for it, you own it from the time it gets in, in, into production, you, you anything breaks, you fix it. But they haven't fully rolled out a plan for fully implementing it. So we're in like a huge gray area right now where issues are still getting reported and they're coming to my team. And sometimes I can say, hey, it was linked to a change that this team made. And I'm able to say, hey, here you go, you can fix that. But then there's other things where it's like, you know, we need to research it first before handing it over to a team. And even so, there's not like solid processes in place yet to say, you know, do you need XYZ, like five pieces of information before before handing it over to a, to another team. So again, it's just like a bunch of gray area right now. But then also we have a bottleneck like on our team because one of our main software developers uh, accepted a new job about a month ago. So now we're down to one software developer resource on my team that's solely dedicated to the three or four platforms that we support like we have another developer but he like there's literally this one legacy system that he is the only developer that or the only person really in the company that knows anything about it so that's always fun to deal with but anyway so yeah so we've got the one developer that is responsible for not only you know researching user issues that come in um after i've done my level of research and have gotten the jira card ready but also responsible for like sustainability items and and like other tech debt and stuff that just like randomly come to our team. so on the one hand so it's not a, a terrible thing that the workload has gone down because we lost the resource but at the same time it's like we, we still have enough work to where like that one resource is creating a bottleneck and they haven't rolled out like solid processes for how to how to move stuff forward so uh, it's a, it's an interesting time.
1: Have y'all noticed anything with your managers as well like is management adjusting? Because that, uh, you know, like mine is pretty comfortable, you know, with the remote work thing. He's kind of been an advocate for it, which I didn't even tell him my book was on remote work until like well after it was launched.
2: My supervisor hates it. She's really like into the person to person interaction. And she's like a really active, like, like just high energy person. And every time I talk to her, like when we have a one on one, she's like, Aaron, we need to go into the office soon. I can't, I, I can't stay in the house. And I'm I'm just like, I, and I'm like the opposite. Like I'm totally fine. Just being at home.
1: <laughs> what What you ought to do is just be like, all right, let's meet behind this bar and drink some margaritas and just talk work. <laughs> right,
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, cause you could probably, our bars not
1: open in Nashville. Well, it's like, they got all the social distancing and they got all the,
0: Oh, cause they're, they're open down here.
1: No, I haven't been out. I think Nashville has officially started phase two. Mm-hmm. As of yesterday, yeah.
3: which is, yeah, which is maybe 75% capacity. I have not ventured out and I'm probably going to be more conservative than the the citywide plan.
2: Yeah, I haven't been out
0: either. I'm dating a bartender. So who lives above a bar? We as soon as they were open for in person, we were down there drinking a beer.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm not
1: super comfortable about going and sitting at a restaurant just yet because you're ingesting food around people no, that are yeah, potentially sick. And it's like, that's a
2: recirculated air. Yeah. yeah.
1: But I'll go and pick up food yeah. and, and take it home. And I, you know, we've done the thing where we had a uh, card table and we put it out in the driveway and our neighbors had card tables. And so like, we just like, we're yelling back and forth in the cul-de-sac <laughs> and had, you know, had a, you know, a night where we sat outside and talked to everybody. Um, but it's weird.
2: Oh, this actually has allowed me to, to meet, two of my neighbors. So like there was a girl that lives on w- one side and she moved in, I want to say in like October. And like, I never saw her come and go. I'm like, is there, any- is there anybody actually living here? And so I, she was, we were out doing yard work or something at the same time. And so I like stood on my chair and like looked over the fence and we had like a 10 minute conversation. Uh, but it turns out the reason I never saw her was because she worked weird hours from like 1.30 in the morning to like 10.30 or something. And so we were on like completely different schedules. So, But yeah, she does live there. And then I've met the couple on the other side of her because they were out tossing a football in the alley when I went to go get my mail one night.
3: Yeah, we've all had to slow down a little bit and have more time for yard work and kids playing in the street, things like that. So,
2: Back back like the good old
3: days. <laughs>
1: right, some, something <laughs> before, like that. Before streams. Yeah, it's like the 90s. Right,
2: before all, all the screens took over.
1: And, and we've gone hiking every weekend. There's a trail that we go to that's about four miles. And... Not this past weekend, but the weekend before, we came up and some guys saw a three foot long copperhead right before we got there, and so we're like, you know, trying to like get where I can see it, but not really get down there because it's like ah, I it m- might not be alone, you know. Just stay six feet away from it; you'll be fine. Yeah, because it's uh, it's got to be double the uh, the length. But oh. it, it's it's definitely been a a very strange throwback type situation. I've always socially distanced from snakes.
0: Yeah, or antisocially. Like, I don't want to be their friend. Yeah. So, guys, we're we we uh, we're running out of time here. So we definitely want to thank Aaron and Dave for joining us for this special episode. Sure. It's been a lot of fun catching up with you guys. Uh, I do. You know, we're talking about the distancing and stuff. I miss the days when we were recording in Will's basement and like you guys would actually show up in person and have a beer with us and sit and talk for way too long just about all sorts of stuff. Now, Will and I have talked about it and we want to extend an open invitation to you guys to join us on the show. We record at the same time every week. Uh, just let us know beforehand if you'd like to join in. We'll make sure it's like we're not interviewing someone or something like that. You know, we'll let you know the topic and we'll work something out, make it happen. Like I said, you guys are welcome to join us anytime you guys want. Just let us know and we'll tell you what we're talking about. Yeah, awesome. Oh, thank you. That pretty much wraps it up. Uh, before we close everything out, Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade?
1: Well, I think the, uh, the whole COVID thing, you know, it's a change, but... The things that are real are the things that still remain, right? Like you've you've got your friends, you've got your family. There is a lot of stuff that has been completely wiped out that no longer exists. That may never exist again. You know, a, a lot of habits that people have maybe settled into that weren't really optimal. And this crisis has shown that. I just want to throw out there that maybe that's something that we all need to learn to do at will versus, you know, waiting on a virus to do it for us, because I I know that I've learned a lot about myself, and I've learned a lot about my family and about a lot of the people that I interact with on a daily basis by watching how they've had to deal with this COVID thing, and I, I think it's been really valuable. And I would like to have that experience um, without all the bars and restaurants being closed, and I think that that's probably valuable. Sure. Um, so I just want to throw that out there: is that's that's a thing kind of in the back of my mind and it's probably useful to the rest of the audience for that's all i got if you have a question or comment please email us at neckbeards at Podcast.com. our theme music is an excerpt from standby for titanfall by pure bells available on soundcloud and
0: licensed through creative Commons. the intro music for iot's is hillbilly hip-hop by jason belcher for references, show notes, and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Catch us each week as we broadcast live talking about what's going on in the tech world and answering listener questions. Learn more about all of our shows and groups by going to completedevelopernetwork.com
1: where you'll find links to Junior Developer Toolbox, Developer Launchpad, and our other communities.